Welcome to Fire Talk Radio, teaching the unfiltered Word of God with the anointing of His Spirit, with subjects on eternity and the choices we make that determine our eternal destiny. Hi, welcome to Fire Talk Radio. I'm really glad that you joined me. I'm really glad that you're here and spend some time and uh, gather around uh, the feet of Jesus and, and sit with him a while. Not that I'm Jesus, but we're hanging out with him tonight in his word. I wanted to talk about rejection. A lot of people have felt rejected before, and some have more rejection issues and than others, you know, some they feel rejected for a little bit and then that goes away, but others stem from feeling rejected and, and feeling alone and like nobody understands or cares. And sometimes when we're rejected, we can feel all alone, like nobody understands, nobody's been through what we're going through or can sympathize or empathize or have compassion. But I want to tell you, Jesus understands. He has compassion. He loves you. And he knows what you're going through because he has been rejected when he came to the earth. When God came in the form of a man, 100% man, 100% God, left the glory of heaven in all its splendor and came to earth for you and for me so that we may have a chance at eternity with him forever. And he was rejected and despised so that we wouldn't have to be or feel that way. So I'm going to start in Isaiah 53, verses 2 through 4. And I'm going to read from the Amplified on most of these, if not all of them, uh, Classic Edition, and I'll let you know if I change them, if I use anything different. So, um, for the servant of God grew up before him like a tender plant and like a root out of a dry, a dry ground. He has no form of comeliness, royal, kingly pomp, that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected and forsaken by men, a man of sorrows and pains and acquainted with grief and sickness and like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised. And we did not appreciate his worth or have any esteem for him. Surely he has borne our griefs, sicknesses, weaknesses, and distresses, and carried our sorrows and pains of punishment. Yet we ignorantly considered him stricken, smitten, and afflicted by God as if with leprosy. Now, despise is, it can be quite a powerful word um, because it actually means to, hold on, I'm looking it up for you. Probably should have had that before, but um, basically despise means not your average not liking you know, hold on, despised. I just wanted to give you the best. To dis- dislike intensely, to loathe, basically hate. Uh, not just your average passing, not liking. It's an intense dislike, a hatred almost, and in fact, hatred. So Jesus was hated, despised, rejected. Um, People didn't even give him a second look. When he walked by, they 
he was acquainted with everything, the sorrows, the sickness, and we did not appreciate his worth or have any esteem for him. So, you know, he knows what you're going through. And it says, afflicted by God as if with leprosy. Now, back in the day, and even sometimes, uh, I think there may be some leprosy out in third world countries, but, um, you know, nowadays, um, but, and they still may do this, but they would tie a bell around their neck or, you know, their body, and they would ring the bell. And, you know, they know that the leper was coming they'd have to stay away from them but it was um it was like a almost like a flesh eating disease you know you lose your limbs and they decay and uh it was quite quite catching um and it says here an infect infection caused by slow growing bacteria called and there's some big long word that uh, it's probably another language but um it can affect the nerves, skin, eyes, and basically it's um, it's just a infectious disease and it is life-threatening and you just look that up in there. But this is, you know, it says that he was, you know, it was almost like they considered him as if he had leprosy, that, you know, basically... I don't know if you've ever heard that saying before. Somebody may walk by and not see you or something or not give you a time of day. And, and you're like, you know, acting like you've got the plague or something. I mean, you can, and even if you can't relate to leprosy, think of any kind of thing um, that you would think is, is just a bad thing. And that's how they treated him, as if he had that. The very people he created and his chosen city and people, the ones he came for, whose coming was foretold, did not receive him, but rejected him. John chapter 1, verses 10 through 11. He came into the world... And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him, did not know him. He came to that which belonged to him, to his own, his domain creation, things, world. And they who were his own did not receive him and did not welcome him. If that's not rejection right there. I mean, the the very creation, the very people that you made rejected you. And uh, if you have your Bibles out, or if you're going to get them, this is a long bunch of verses I'm going to read here. (laughs) It's John chapter 6, and it's going to be verses 35 through 70. Again, uh, the Amplified Classic Edition. You know, Jesus, as you can see already just by these few examples, is very familiar with rejection. And when he was walking the earth, many who were following him rejected Jesus and walked away. Starting at John chapter 6, starting at verse 35. Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never be hungry. And he who believes in and cleaves to and trusts in and relies on me will never thirst anymore at any time. But as I told you, although you have seen me, still you do not believe and trust and have faith. All whom my Father gives and trusts to me will come to me. And the one who comes to me, I will most certainly not cast out. I will never, no, never reject one of them who comes to me. Now, that was verse 37. 
He says, I will never, no, never reject one of them who comes to me. Those are Jesus' words promising that if you come to him and receive him and you want to receive him as your Lord and Savior, he will never look at you and say, oh, no, no, I'm sorry, I reject you. You did this, that, and the other. I don't like your hairdo. I don't like your whatever. Um, He will never do that. He even says it twice, and that, that right there, emphasizing when they said something more than once, he's like being, he's, he's, he's driving the point, and he's like reconfirming it. I will never, no, never reject one of them who comes to me. Continue with verse 38. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, and purpose, but to do the will and purpose of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should not lose any of all that he has given me, but that I should give new life and raise them all up at the last day. For this is my Father's will and his purpose, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in and cleaves to and trusts in and relies on him should have ever I mean should have eternal life and I will raise him up from the dead at the last day. Now the Jews murmured and found fault and with and grumbled about Jesus because he said, I am myself the bread that came down from heaven. They kept asking, Is not this Jesus the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How how then can he say, I have come down from heaven? And, you know, just to interject here, right there, I mean, they're saying that how can he be come down from heaven? We know him as uh, Mary and Joseph's son, but almost looking down on him as well and rejecting his very words. Continuing with verse 43 So Jesus answered them Stop grumbling and saying things against me to one another No one is able to come to me Unless the Father who sent me Attracts and draws him And gives him the desire to come to me And then I will raise him up from the dead At the last day It is written in the book of the prophets And they shall all be taught of God have him in person for their teacher. Everyone who has listened to and learned from the Father comes to me. Which does not imply that anyone has seen the Father, nor that anyone has ever seen him, except he who was with the Father, who comes from God. He alone has seen the Father. I assure you most solemnly, I tell you, he who believes in me, adheres to, trusts in, relies on, and has faith in me, has now possesses, has now possesses eternal life. I am the bread of life, gives life, the living bread. Your your forefathers ate the manna in the wilderness, and yet they died. But this is the bread that comes down from heaven, so that anyone may eat of it and never die. I myself am this living bread that come down from heaven. If anyone eats this bread, he will live forever. And also the bread that I shall give for the life of the world is my flesh, body. Then the Jews angrily contended with one another, saying, How is he able to give us his flesh to eat? And Jesus said to them, I assure you most solemnly, I tell you, You cannot have any life in you unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, unless you appropriate his life and the saving merit of his blood. He who feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has, possesses now eternal life, and I will raise him up from the dead on the last day. For my flesh is true and genuine food, and my blood is true and genuine drink. He who feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood dwells continually in me, 
and I in like manner dwell continually in him. Just as a living just as a living father sent me and I live by through because of the Father, even so whoever continues to feed on me, whoever takes me for his food and is nourished by me, shall in his turn live through and because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. It is not like the manna which our forefathers ate and yet died. He who takes his bread for his food shall live forever. He said these things in a synagogue while he was teaching at Capernaum. When he discussed, when his disciples heard this, many of them said, this is a hard and difficult and strange saying, an offensive and unbearable message. Who can stand to hear it? Who can be expected to listen to such teaching? But Jesus, knowing within himself that his disciples were complaining and protesting and grumbling about it, said to them, Is this a stumbling block and offense to you? Does this, does this upset and displease and shock and scandalize you? What then will be your reaction if you should see the Son of Man ascending to the place where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. He is the life giver. The flesh conveys no benefit whatever. There is no profit in it. The words, truths that have been speaking to you are spirit and life. Still, some of you fail to believe and trust and have faith. For Jesus knew from the first who did not believe and had no faith and who would betray him and be false to him. And he said, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him, unless he is enabled to do so by the Father. After this, many of his disciples drew back, returning to their old associations and no longer accompanied him. Jesus said to the twelve, Will you also go away? And do you too desire to leave me? Simon Peter answered, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words, the message of eternal life. And we have learned to believe and trust. And more, we have come to know surely that you are the Holy One of God, the Christ, the Anointed One, the Son of the Living God, Jesus answered them, Did I not choose you, the twelve? And yet one of you is a devil of the evil one and a false accuser. So Jesus knew. I mean, all these people that were following him, they all left him after he preached about that. They they thought he was being literal and that he wanted them to eat his flesh and drink his blood. But he wasn't talking about cannibalism. He wasn't talking about that. He wasn't being figuratively. He was talking about, you know, eating of the word of God, um, accepting the fact that he is the son of God, that he's a bread of life, that no man come to him, but that the father draw him, but that we receive him as our Lord and Savior and that we feast on the word of God, which is the living bread. And... They they did not understand and they left. Can you imagine? The only people left is your core, your core team, your inner circle. That's it. Everybody else left because they they just didn't understand the teaching and said it was way too harsh. So they they took off. I mean that that right there is. There's a lot of rejection because you've got these people leaving, people that are around you all the time that you care about, 
then they leave because they don't like your teaching. That's so that he again he was rejected there. And you know, thinking about it now, I, I kind of thought about it before, but Lucifer when he was in heaven, uh, before before he fell and pride got a hold of him. I mean, he was he was with Jesus and and he rejected his he rejected Jesus. He became prize one. He wanted to take over and he took a, you know, a bunch of the angels with him. And it was like he so he rejected him and so did a bunch of the angels that God had with him in, in heaven. I mean that right there also is rejection too. Playing this song for you and I'll be I'll be right back. Wounded and forsaken I was shattered by the fall Broken and forgotten Feeling lost and all alone Summoned by the king Into the master's courts Lifted by the savior And cradled in his arms I was carried to the table
And that was two songs by Leland. The first one was Carried to the Table. And that was the story about Saul's grandson, Jonathan's son. And you can find that story in uh, 2 Samuel 19, verse 24, through chapter 21, verse 22. The story's in there. And, you know, when you think about it, we're crippled by a fall that kept us from God and that he made a way uh, of restoration for us and restored restored us to him so that we had a right again to sit at the king's table. A beautiful story and song in my opinion. Um, I was thinking about I don't know, um, like a lot of people can probably relate, like when you were in school, like grade school, and you were going to do a sports team, uh, maybe even just playing amongst kids, and they needed enough people to play the game. And they picked two team captains for each team, and then they're supposed to call the person that they want to pick on the team and put on their team, and so they call out a list of, of kids there. And they keep calling and calling, and then um, the person is always picked last or second to last, and they just sit there, and they're, well, I never get called anyway. I'm either going to be second last or last, because it depends on how the other guy or girl is at the sport. (laughs) So... They don't have a lot of expectation that they're going to be picked. And, you know, that right there is is a rejection, even though it's just sports. And a lot of times the team captain really doesn't have any malice there about picking the person. It's really nothing personal. It's just that they're trying to pick the ones that are good at the sport. And maybe that particular person is not good at the sport. But then can really give them a complex because they don't feel like they are or if anything, or that they're going to be loved unless they're perfect at the sport, and they feel rejected. And sometimes that sticks with the child uh, further into their life, and it's something that they feel they have to prove themselves or just feel rejected. And like I said, Jesus knows what it's like, and when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane and he was praying and it's darkest hour in his hour of need and he asked the disciples to stay awake and watch with him and they all fell asleep when they came to the soldiers when the soldiers came to arrest him the disciples his 12 they got scared and they ran away and left him all alone does that make them bad people I don't think so they're human but can you see how that would feel in the hour of it that you need your your twelve with you, even just to stand with you to support you? They they got scared and ran away and left you all alone, and and that's going to make you feel rejected. And Matthew twenty six verses fifty five through fifty six. At that moment, Jesus said to the crowds. Have you come out with swords and clubs as you would against a robber to capture me? Day after day, I was I was accustomed to sit in the porches and courts of the temple teaching, and you did not arrest me. But all this has taken place in order that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples deserted him, and fleeing, escaped. And Peter denied Jesus three times. I mean, that right there is rejection. He lived with Jesus. He ministered with Jesus. He served Jesus. He shared experiences, lived with him, was a part of his life. 
and he got scared after Jesus was arrested and when people kept saying, "Oh yeah, you're one of the you're one of his disciples, you're one of his followers," and he kept denying it because he was afraid. Only human, right? We like to say, "Oh, I'd never do that." In my when Jesus needs me most, and I never deny him. Deny him. But sometimes we do when we fall into temptation. We sin. We're not we're denying Jesus and his way of life. A purity or uh, whatever the case may be that we've done that we've fallen into or um, there are ways that we still deny, deny him but uh, Peter felt bad afterwards Jesus he prayed for Peter's restoration and he prayed for him and he was restored and he ended up preaching on the day of Pentecost uh, the Pentecost message and over 3,000 or more people got saved because of his teaching. The very person that denied Jesus was the one that Jesus used for the Pentecost message. And you can, of course, that's Acts chapter 2. Uh, when the Holy, you know, the Holy Spirit came and uh, tongues of cloven fire. You can read that, Acts chapter 2, and... You can read about the denial, uh, Peter's denial in Matthew chapter 26, verses 69 through 75, and also in Luke 22, verses 54 through 62. I'm going to read from Luke chapter 22, 54 through 62. Then they seized him, Jesus, and led him away, bringing him into the house of the high priest, Peter was following at a distance. And when they had kindled the fire in the middle of the courtyard and were seated together, Peter sat among them. Then a servant girl, seeing him as he sat in the firelight and gazing intently at him, said, This man too was with him, meaning Jesus. But he denied it and said, Woman, I do not know him. And a little later, someone else saw him and said, you were one of them also. But Peter said, Man, I am not. And then about an hour more had elapsed. Still another emphatically insisted, It is the truth that this man also was with him, for he too is a Galilean. Peter said, Man, I do not know what you are talking about. And instantly, while he was still speaking, the cock crowed and the Lord turned and looked at Peter and Peter recalled the Lord's words how he had told him before the cock crows today you will deny me thrice thrice just means three times and he went out and Peter went out and wept bitterly that is with painful moving grief Wow, can you imagine? You don't, you don't want to, but as, as as it would happen, you deny knowing Jesus three times, and then where it talks about verse sixty-one, and the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Huh. Oh my gosh, I w- I would be, I just couldn't even imagine on how both of them must have felt at that moment. So Jesus knows rejection. He knows hurt. He knows pain. And he knows loneliness. And he knows how you feel. He's been there. He's with you now. And he he is there for you. I mean... After all the disciples left, and you know, Peter denied him, and then John, the beloved, was the only disciple out of all the twelve to stay with Jesus at the at the crucifixion while Jesus was suffering on the cross. John, the beloved, was with him, and 
I mean, to support him, be there for him while he's in this excruciating pain, just trying to, he's he's nailed on the cross and he has to lean up just to take a breath and it's excruciating the whole thing. And so he he needs his support there, even though that's hard for them. John was the only disciple. In John 19, verses 25 through 27, But by the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. So Jesus, seeing his mother there and the disciple whom he loved, standing near, which was John, said to his mother, Dear woman, see, here is your son. And he's pointing to John, basically. Then he said to the disciple, See, here is your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his own keeping, his own home. So basically, Jesus is saying, John, take care of my mother. Be together and and um, help her. Back in those days, if you didn't have the man about the house or whatever to help in certain situations, it was very hard for the woman and the widow. She needed somebody to help her and take care of her. And since Jesus wasn't going to be there, um, Jesus basically entrusted her in, to John. As if all of this, that I've talked about wasn't enough. God the Father turned his back and looked away from Jesus the Son as he hung on the cross because Jesus, who knew no sin, became sin. It was all on him. Every sin, past, present, and future was upon him. It was upon Jesus. And I go into that in more detail on uh, the podcast that's titled Perfect Love Set Us Free. Goes into more depth about that. It's a Good Friday message. But for the first time, Jesus was separated from his father and rejected by him because he was sin, and the perfect, pure God cannot look upon sin. So he looked away and, and moved away and rejected him. Matthew 27, verses 45 to 40. Now, from the sixth hour, noon, there was a darkness over all the land until the ninth hour, three o'clock. And about the ninth hour, three o'clock, Jesus cried with a loud voice, My God, my God, why have you abandoned me, leaving me helpless, forsaking, and failing me in my need? Let's just... Well, so Jesus experienced so much rejection, and he still does. People then, in all of this that I've talked about, rejected him, even those closest to him. And people now, they still reject him when they decide that for whatever reason they don't want to accept him as their Lord and Savior because if they think they're not good enough or they think they've got to go out and sin and some more and get, and get out of their system and then come back, and there might not be a time to come back. So, But he, he experiences that rejection even today. Yes, gloriously, there are people who receive him and don't reject him and ask him into their heart, but then there are the people that reject him. Still, the, the free gift of salvation, we say it's free, but... Really not because he paid Jesus paid such a huge, huge price for our salvation. I mean, like I said, all of the aforementioned that I've shared with you, uh, that I felt the Lord put upon my heart to to share. Um, after hearing all that, just rest assured, Jesus knows what it feels like to be rejected and feel alone. Do you feel rejected? Do you feel alone, lonely, friendless? Jesus is here for you. He knows what it's like, and he is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Proverbs eighteen twenty four. 
a man of many friends, a friend of all the world, will prove himself a bad friend. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. That friend is Jesus. And that was Proverbs 18:24. Like I said, Jesus can so relate to, to rejection and is still rejected to this day. And he knows what you're going through. He knows what it's like to feel rejected and, and abandoned and alone in his darkest hour, even in his greatest hour. And he's there reaching out to you. He's a good shepherd. He loves you so much. And, you know, on when a, a shepherd, you know, a human, a man, um, when a regular shepherd has a flock of sheep, um, it doesn't happen very often to my knowledge. It's, it's kind of rare if I'm not mistaken, but there are times when the mother sheep rejects her newborn, her, her, her lamb, uh, for whatever reason that might be. And that is quite dangerous for the, the lamb because the mother doesn't want anything to do with it. Um, kicks at it every time it comes near wanting to nurse or wants some kind of attention or love or whatever the case may be. She she bucks at it and, and pushes it away and won't feed it or protect it. She doesn't want anything to do with it. Now, that lamb will get so discouraged and so sad and down and heartbroken that it will get so depressed and literally die if the shepherd, the good shepherd, the the human, I'm talking about not Jesus, the good shepherd, but the man that has a flock, if he does not take that baby and help it, it will die. So he gathers the lamb, the heartbroken lamb, the depressed lamb. He takes that lamb into his own home, loves on it, feeds it, talks to it. He is just there. He's just, he's there for that sheep. He takes care of it. He feeds it. He even brings him warm blankets and he actually cuddles up by that sheep to keep it warm, to make it feel loved and after a while, the sheep just follows him around and he's feeling better and loved and eats and gets strong again and and when it's old enough and healthy enough, goes out on, on its own. So that, that shepherd takes in that rejected lamb who without him would die just like our Heavenly Father. When we feel rejected and alone and like nobody cares, he comes along, he says, oh, I know how you feel, but I'm here, I'll never reject you, no, I won't, I'm here with you, for you, I love you, let me let me keep you warm, let me cuddle and comfort you, let me be there for you, and he spiritually makes us stronger and physically makes us stronger, so we stand on our own two feet, but he's still with us, he takes care of us, he takes care of you, he loves you, he loves you. He loves you. He loves you so much. He has a great plan for your life. And if you died today, do you know for sure beyond a shadow of a doubt that you'll go to heaven? You know, the Holy Bible reads, we've all sinned. Come short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, and whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So, Father, I thank you right now for touching this person. Make yourself real to them and do a quick work in their heart. The people listening, Lord, wrap your arms around them. Make yourself so real to them and do a quick work, a quick work in their hearts, Lord. Make yourself real to them. And now, if you want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, um, don't say, well, I'm, I need to go fix myself, make myself right, or 
I haven't got sin quite out of out of my system. I want to get it out of my system and come back. Well, you might get so far into the sin that you don't get it out of your system, but the system gets you. Come to the Lord. Come to Jesus. Just as you are. You just He wants you just as you're. Just come to him just as you are and let him wrap his arms around you and just receive him as your Lord and Savior. He loves you so much, has a great plan for your life. You're not a mistake. You're not rejected from the foundations of the world before everything was. He chose you. He didn't reject you. Never has, never will, ever. Come to him now. Repeat after me, dear Lord Jesus. Come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me and cleanse me. Set me free. Jesus, I believe that you died for me. I believe that you rose from the dead and are coming back again for me. Fill me with the Holy Spirit, passion for the lost, a hunger for the things of God, and a holy boldness to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. I am saved. I am born again. I am forgiven. And I'm on my way to heaven because I have Jesus in my heart. I forgive anybody who ever hurt, neglected, or abused me including myself. I receive your forgiveness, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, my friend, it gives me the greatest pleasure to tell you that all your sins are forgiven you right now. There's a party going on up in heaven right now on your behalf. Jesus loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He has a great, great plan for your life, and I'm excited for you. He's excited for you, and he loves you. Well, I think that is about everything I wanted to share with you. It was quite a lot, but I felt like it was what the Lord put in my heart, and I love you. I'm glad that you were part of this teaching Glad that you joined in to listen. Uh, I'll be back again at some point with another teaching. And I just want you to know that if you were the only one in the world, Jesus still would have come and died just for you. You're the apple of his eye. He rejoices over you with singing and dancing. And he's enthralled with your beauty. He loves you so much. He has a great plan for your life. He loves you. I love you. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the palm of his hand and envelop you in his love.